0: DC has unveiled the first part of their new slate and I've got my thoughts on everything right now. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle here with my thoughts on what looks to be the beginnings of a roadmap for the new DCU. It was laid out by Peter Safran and James Gunn at an event for the press on Tuesday. James Gunn then uploaded a social media video that kind of summarized what their thoughts and what their plans were later on that day. So I'm gonna kind of go through what they announced. This isn't gonna be an explainer video because there are a lot of great channels that can dive into the huge history behind all these different comics franchises and the lineups and everything. They can do that a lot better than I can. I'm just going to briefly explain what they announced, some real-world history behind it, and then my thoughts on these specific projects, and then the overall direction of the DCU, at least right now. As James Gunn said, things are subject to change, and especially when we're talking about Warner Media. If time has taught us anything, it's that plans mean nothing when it comes to anything at Warner. So let's get to the basics first. They're calling this chapter one of the DCU, the DC universe, and the theme generally is gods and monsters. And what we're looking at here is the first part of that chapter, it's not their entire slate. And James Gunn was actually pretty candid when it came to the plans, or no plans really, that DC had made in the past. Here's a direct quote from him at that press event. He said, quote, as everyone here probably knows, the history of DC is pretty messed up. It was effed up, no one was minding the Mint, they were giving away IP like they were party favors at any creator who smiled at them. There's the Arrowverse, was the DCEU, which then split and became the Joss Whedon Justice League at one point, and the Snyderverse, there's Superman and Lois, there's the Reevesverse, and even us. We came and did Suicide Squad and that became Peacemaker, and all of a sudden, Batmite is a real thing. And James Gunn is absolutely right there. There has been, well, I guess there have been plans, but nobody's really stuck to the plan. And those plans were really only for the movies. And it did get very confusing to the casual viewer. I'm sure that there were some people that liked to watch the Arrowverse and some people that liked to watch the movies. But what they're looking for is a little bit of structure. And what they basically say they're laying out is an eight to 10 year plan for the DC universe to have storytelling that goes across TV and streaming, uh, feature films and gaming as well. So, a unified approach, that doesn't mean there's just one universe and we'll talk about that, but basically an actual plan for how these different characters are going to be doled out. One thing that I thought was really interesting is that when they talk about casting, uh, there are some characters that are going to be making their debut in animated series and James Gunn was saying that they want to cast voice actors for the animation version that are going to be the live action characters or actors who play those characters when they make a feature film or a live action project and vice versa if somebody plays a superhero in live action, they're going to voice that character in any sort of an animated project. And I think that that's intriguing and appealing to have one actor that you follow across all different media, but that's also going to be very expensive. So we'll see if that holds up. James Gunn said, quote, One of our strategies is to take our diamond characters, which is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and use them to prop up other characters that people don't know to build those lesser known properties into the diamond properties of tomorrow. And we see that reflected in some of the plans that are being made here. And I will say that this approach, I think, partially is a smart one, but only if it works. If it works, then you've built out a whole bunch of new franchises that you can then build out and spin off upon you <laughs> If it doesn't work, then you're basically investing in a lot of stuff that people aren't interested in and not investing in, as James Gunn calls them, the diamond characters and not getting that return that you might get. This is not a safe bet, this plan. It's not chalk all the way through. And I'll talk through ways where I think it's worth the risk in some places and not worth the risk. James Gunn and Peter Safran, of course, are the faces of the DCU and really James Gunn creatively and on social media, etc. But there has also been assembled a partial creative brain trust, if you will, or a writer's room that reportedly helped them to develop these initial early projects. The people in that writer's room that we know of right now, or at least that I could find through my research, are Drew Goddard, who is the writer behind Cloverfield. He wrote on Lost and Buffy, Cabin in the Woods, a lot of the Josh Whedon projects, The Martian, Bad Times at the El Royale, two movies that he wrote, and then is the creator of Netflix's Daredevil, he ended up stepping back from running the show to do a movie that I think never gotten made, but he was listed as the creator of the show and wrote the first couple of episodes. Christina Hodson is in the writer's room, reportedly. She wrote Bumblebee and then several DC projects, including Birds of Prey, The Flash, and significantly Batgirl, which was shelved. James Gunn has said that they want to keep that talent in-house, even if they don't use those movies, and Christina Hodson being in the writer's room is proof of that. Jeremy Slater, who got kind of a rough start when you look at his credits, Fantastic 4 stick in 2015, or 2015's Fantastic Four, a co-writer on that, Netflix's live action Death Note, a co-writer on that, but he developed a couple things that got a much stronger critical and audience response, he developed the show The Umbrella Academy for Netflix, and then he was the creator of Moon Knight on Disney+, which was one of my favorite live-action shows that they've done thus far. Crystal Henry is a veteran TV writer and also an Emmy winner as part of the writing staff for Watchmen. We'll talk a little bit more about her. And then Tom King, who's a veteran comics writer, relaunched and wrote Batman from 2016 to 2019, won an Eisner Award for his work on Mr. Miracle, and also did Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow from 2021 to 2022. That's being adapted directly into a film that we'll talk about later. All of these folks have a lot of experience. Many of them them inside the DC Universe. I know, as always, there are opinions that vary wildly about their work, but they're definitely bringing in people that know the DC Universe on the comic side, on the TV side, on the movie side, and they're developing this slate that is really involves all of those things. One thing that we know is ending, reportedly, according to Gunn, is this idea of fast-tracking a script and then starting to shoot the movie before the script is ready. Gunn said, quote, "'We're not going to put hundreds of millions of dollars into a film where a screenplay is only two-thirds of the way done, and we have to finish it while we're making the movie. I've seen it happen again and again, and it's a mess. I think it's the primary reason for the deterioration of quality of films today versus 20 or 30 years ago.'" And I've got to agree with him there, 100%. That shouldn't be done, and you know we'll see if he can stick to that because you know there are some movies occasionally like iron man that don't have a script ready and you're literally writing the day of. Even my favorite movie of all time, Jaws, was like that. Those are the exceptions to the rule. I think people use those movies as uh, proof that it's not such a terrible thing. But I think that there are far more movies that turned out to be disappointments because the script wasn't ready than movies that just happened to achieve it because you had a great, talented, wonderful group of people working on a movie, kind of lightning in a bottle talent that you don't have on every film. Something they went more into than I was expecting was the state of the current movies and actors in the DC universe. James Gunn brought up officially the label Elseworlds, which DC has used in the comic books for quite some time for stories like Kingdom Come, which is basically um, stories that use DC characters uh, that are outside of continuity for the comic books. And there are several things we know that are getting sequels and ongoing series that are going to be under that Elseworlds label that James Gunn mentioned specifically, one of them is the sequel to Joker. Tana nehisi Coates' Black Superman project reportedly, uh, according to James Gunn, still in development, remains in active development, and it's really going to depend on the script for that. Matt Reeves' Batman movie. Uh, right now it's called The Batman Part 2. It got a release date, October 3rd, 2025. And then Teen Titans Go! was something else that was mentioned as a property that's still going to be floating around and still in use, but is now under that Elseworlds label. Gunn also confirmed that The Flash really is the hinge point on which this whole universe turns. He said that basically the universe is reset in that movie, but he also called it one of what he thought was the best superhero movies ever made. They did, of course, get the inevitable question about, well, what's going to happen with Ezra Miller once The Flash comes out? And they sidestepped it, I think, as really the only way you can right now. Uh, Peter Saffron fielded that question. He said, quote, Ezra is completely committed to their recovery. We are fully supportive of that journey that they're on right now. When the time is right, when they are ready to have that discussion, we will all figure out What's the best path forward? I think even if none of this stuff with Ezra Miller had happened, it would be a difficult question to answer. Right now, I think it is an impossible question to answer. But I, you know, I think generally going forward, it's pretty pessimistic for the people that are in the kind of legacy Snyderverse roles uh, because all of their projects are being canceled, and there are very few that are in active development. Now, James Gunn said that there's nothing that's preventing these actors from returning. And Peter Safran said, quote, there's no reason why all the people you mentioned couldn't be part of the DCU. We just haven't decided what the story is that we want to tell that incorporates Shazam or Aquaman. James Gunn followed up to that by saying, I will say that we won't have an actor playing two different film roles, which means that if you get Jason Momoa cast as a Lobo, for example, then he's not also going to be playing Aquaman. Or if he stays on as Aquaman, he's not going to be playing Lobo. But this is where the fence sitting a little bit. I get it with Ezra Miller because there's a lot of complication around that, but the fence sitting in general around the legacy characters, if you really don't know what you're gonna do, just say, I don't know, you know what? We're gonna see how these first few projects roll out, and if we decide that there's a space for them, then we will, or we are committed to moving on and we love all of those actors, we wanna work with them all again, but we're done with them. It seems very non-committal. Like they're they're kind of trying to play both sides of the fence and I think that there is a lot of interest obviously around these characters and it's obvious that the Snyderverse itself is effectively dead. Uh, But I think that they do, I I wish that they would craft a better answer, I'll say, on what's going on with all of these different characters because there are people that really love them. And case in point is Henry Cavill. When he was asked, James Gunn said, quote, we didn't fire Henry, Henry was never cast. For me, it's about who do I want to cast as Superman and who do the filmmakers we have want to cast? And for me, for this story, it isn't Henry. I like Henry, I think he's a great guy. I think he's getting dicked around by a lot of people, including the former regime at this company, But this Superman is not Henry for a number of reasons, which, again, is kind of an interesting way of saying uh, he wasn't fired, but they basically brought somebody else in to do the same thing that he did, just kind of like in a different department or under a a different job title. He got laid off, I guess, uh, not fired. I do agree he was dicked around. I mean, he was the pawn in, let's be quite honest, Dwayne Johnson's power games at Warner Brothers and being told he was coming back and not coming back. And I don't really blame James Gunn for any of that. James Gunn was coming in with his plan he didn't have anything to do with all this crazy stuff that happened around Black Adam et cetera. that was not on his watch he was brought in to bring in a vision he's brought in a vision it doesn't include Henry Cavill but I wish that they were this uh, in depth with everybody else and all these other characters uh, as they have been with Henry Cavill and also just as candid as they've been here where they say yeah listen he was getting screwed around he's not part of our plan but we wish him the best. Greg Berlanti is another person who's long been linked to DC, of course, behind the whole Arrowverse, and it seems like his time working for DC is pretty much over because they confirmed that with the new Green Lantern series that we'll talk about in a few minutes, the project that Greg Berlanti was developing is no longer happening. Uh, According to Gunn, it was more of a space opera type feel. They're going for more of a detective story type feel. And with the cancellation of a lot of shows from the Arrowverse, I mean, Superman and Lois is basically the only one that still has a little bit of life in it. Greg Berlanti is still working at Warner. He signed a deal at Warner, but it looks like he will no longer really be associated with the DC brand. And speaking of no longer being associated with the DC brand, another thing I was surprised that they talked about as much as they did was Batgirl, which of course was shelved last year, infamously shelved. And Peter Safran said, quote, I saw the movie. There are a lot of incredibly talented people in front of and behind the camera in that film, but that was not releasable. It happens sometimes. I think Zaslav and the team made a bold and courageous decision to cancel it because it would have hurt DC and those people involved. I think it was not an easy decision, but they made the right decision by shelving it. And, you know, some people might say like, oh, well, he's just towing the company line. I mean... That is some pretty hardcore stuff to say. Not only like, oh, they made the right decision, I think, for the future of the franchise, by saying like, it was not releasable, it would hurt DC, it would hurt the people involved. If he is towing the company line, then that's a little bit extra. I think he he might be getting a little bit of a bonus on the paycheck, or maybe this movie was just horrendous. I mean, there have been talks that it did a test screening and it tested about the same as the first It movie, Uh, but maybe they saw some things that other people didn't see Uh, But I was very surprised with how uh, vociferously Peter Safran was behind the decision to shelve Batgirl and really almost kind of reading between the lines saying that it was an atrociously bad movie. So let's get to what they announced as their upcoming slate, or at least the beginning part of this Gods and Monsters chapter of the DCU. And of course, the thing that we all knew was gonna happen, mainly because Henry Cavill is not going to be in it, is Superman Legacy. It's a feature film, it's being written by James Gunn. It may be directed by James Gunn, we don't quite know yet. We got a release date, which is July 11th, 2025. And according to Safran and Gunn, it focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He's the embodiment of truth, justice and the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks of kindness as old fashioned. Gunn said Superman is for everyone. That's a four quadrant film that should speak to everyone in the world. We knew this is the direction that Gunn wanted to go. Uh, sort of the hopefulness, the Christopher Reeveness uh, of Superman, if you will. Uh, you know, and this is really just still basically a tone. I like that tone for Superman personally Um, I think that Henry Cavill was a a good actor and I think that there's a great potential for him in that part Um, but I am excited about this direction especially for Superman as long as they you know don't make it to one note Christopher Reeve was able to do the sort of wholesome thing and I think make him an interesting character the question is can you write that as James Gunn says the world has changed a lot since Superman first hit screens back in 1978 Can you do that kind of Superman in this world and not have it come off as cheesy? That's a good question. One movie that's being made that was very interesting simply because you know, I've always said I am not super deep into comics lore but I have a a passing knowledge of a lot of things and there's one group that's getting a movie that I had actually never heard of and I think it's because they were sort of on the fringe where I don't usually dive very deep and that's a movie based on a group called The Authority, which James Gunn says will interact with all of the primary DC characters. They're a group of superheroes who save the world uh, by any means necessary. Basically operating in the margins between good and evil, like some sort of justice squad. The Authority is an offshoot of Wildstorm, which was an independent label launched by Jim Lee back in 1992. It was one of the six studios that formed the basis of Image Comics. Eventually, Wildstorm was sold to DC, where it became an imprint, which basically means that DC published the books, but they weren't under the DC label. They were just kind of under the umbrella. And it was after the sale to DC that The Authority was launched. Uh, Warren Ellis, who did the Extremis story for Iron Man that became Iron Man 3, wrote for it. Mark Mill wrote for it wildstorm as an imprint was shut down in 2010 and then shortly thereafter a lot of the characters were folded into dc continuity and back in 2021 2022 there was a four issue limited series where superman and the authority met that was co-written by grant morrison who will have a lot to do with the batman movie that we're going to talk about gunn said that the movie is being written now he didn't say who the screenwriter is going to be But, you know, this is, I guess, a pretty bold move in the sense that you're asking people in the first chapter of this new DC Universe to buy into a superhero team that, you know, not only do not a lot of people know them, most people don't even know who these characters are, and you're saying that they're probably going to be a pretty important part of the DC Universe. This is part of that risk that I was talking about, because if this doesn't work according to Gunn, they're a pretty integral part of this plan going forward, and, you know, you can only kind of jostle the train on the rails so much uh, if people aren't interested before you really have to adjust your plans or the whole plan gets derailed. I mentioned Grant Morrison in relation to The Authority. Some of his work is being adapted into film, or at least the basis of a film, and it's going to be how this version of Batman is introduced to the DCU, and that's through The Brave and the Bold, which James Gunn said is an opportunity not just to reintroduce Batman, but to start folding the Bat family into the DCU. So we're talking Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, etc., cetera, or their guises as Nightwing and Red Hood and Red Robin, Batgirl, Oracle, Batwoman, Catwoman, really a whole supporting cast, which is ironic because we just had a Batgirl movie that was shelved, and yet the Bat family is obviously a huge priority for Gunn to start building out immediately, and really the focus reportedly for this movie is going to be on Damian Wayne, who is Bruce Wayne's biological son. Uh, Gunn describes him as a little son of a bitch, an assassin, and a murderer, which jibes with his actual origins in the comic book story, and so we're going to have Batman and a Robin right off the bat, but it's seemingly not the first Robin. I mean, if you're going to do the whole Bat family, it seems like maybe you're going to reference previous Robins, which would mean a bit of an older Batman. So it really does seem like we're going to have both a Superman and a Batman, at least, who are not at the very, very, very beginning of their careers. Uh, Superman maybe it seems like it might be a bit earlier on, but Batman would have to be a little bit older or a little bit further along, which is kind of where we were with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, it seems like, will definitely not be playing Batman at all in this DC universe. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see the casting come together for this. When I did my ranking of all of the Batman feature films, including the animated ones, there was one called Batman versus Robin, and it was one of several animated films that dealt with Damian Wayne that I actually quite enjoyed. So I I think that there's a lot of promise in the storyline if you get the casting right, even more so for Batman, uh, get the casting right for Damian Wayne, because that is a hard needle to thread, just kind of a snotty little kid that's not just completely annoying to people that are watching the film. Uh, But you know, Batman, as you can probably see, scattered around the set, is my favorite comic book character of all time. This is kind of taking that story in a new direction. And so it's exciting for me to see the potential of some new corners of the Batman universe, while at the same time we have a very successful Matt Reeves Batman universe that is a lot more of the classical focus on Batman and the villains uh, and the tone that we've seen before that is going to be running kind of parallel Else worlds, And I think it could perhaps be similar to the success we're seeing with Spider-Man, live action and Into the Spider-Verse. If you can get those tones different enough, but still make those heroes feel authentic, then I think you have the potential for some great success here. Supergirl will be getting her own movie Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow which is based on that Tom King comic run from 2021 to 2022 it was an 8 issue run those comics are an off world adventure and Gunn made sure to emphasize that this was a Supergirl who was much more jaded than Superman who's been raised on this sort of husky chunk of Krypton has seen all of these people die around her so she doesn't necessarily have that hopeful optimism uh, as Kal-El does and if the movie station true to the comics then most or all of this wouldn't even take place on earth it would be kind of a cosmic almost guardiansy sort of space adventure and i think that again that this is a smart move um you know i don't know exactly how much they're going to bring over from the comic book etc but i think it is a good idea to have a supergirl who is not just flying around on earth without superman but is establishing herself outside of the sphere of influence of Superman, and I think tonally you can also make it distinct enough from Superman, so you establish who this character is, and then if you want to folder, and obviously I think they're going to, into the bigger adventures, you can. So I I think as far as the direction here, this is a pretty smart move, and the rest of it, we'll see how it comes together. The final movie that they revealed was a new Swamp Thing movie, which Gunn described as a dark horror story that will tell the origins of the character. He described it as outside of the DC universe, but that will feed into the stories. There was a little bit of news that broke yesterday, which is reportedly that James Mangold is interested in the movie. Uh, the report said that DC has offered him the job, but he has not yet accepted the job. He's a very busy man, especially right now. But we already have a potential director for the Swamp Thing film. And this is another one where, you know, I think it comes down to execution. DC has been trying to make Swamp Thing happen for a very long time and Swamp Thing has never really happened and it's sad because you know there was a TV show that I think was really well regarded by a lot of fans that got caught up in one of the last rounds of corporate restructuring and getting rid of things etc as you know Warner and AT&T were going through all their stuff and so I think that there was an opportunity that was missed there and of course the original Swamp Thing films are kind of cult favorites uh, but will the audience or a mainstream audience accept a Swamp Thing movie I like the horror idea of Swamp Thing because I think it makes it a little bit more palatable for your average movie goer your average audience who might find it a bit Ridiculous otherwise uh, So this is one again where I think that there's maybe the most upward potential in the sense of you could go almost Anywhere and not really be tied into any one thing And so uh, this is another thing where if you do it right, I think it could work great But if you do it wrong, I think that a lot of people are gonna be put off by it They're gonna think it's too weird and they're not gonna show up We have so much more to get to breaking down all this DC stuff, but before we do that I want to thank the sponsor For this video. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. The beginning of a new year is often about finding that best version of yourself, but it's easy to lose track of how to do that. I know the day to day of running this channel means that I sometimes lose focus on myself and what's best for my own well being and who I want to be. Therapy is something I've been interested in trying for a while now, and that's why I was happy when BetterHelp came on board as a sponsor for the channel. I jumped at the chance to start using the service, and I've already had a great session with a Therapist that was recommended based specifically on my goals and needs. Mental health is something that many people aren't comfortable talking about publicly, but it is so important. It's not just for people that are going through a difficult or a traumatic time. I found that everyday stress can add up and BetterHelp has already been useful to talk about some of that with a professional. BetterHelp is entirely online, flexible to your schedule, and convenient. After filling out a brief questionnaire, you'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And if you'd like to switch therapists, you can do so at any time free of charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Merle today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel Merle. So those were the movies that James Gunn and Peter Safran are ready to reveal, but they also gave us a few different television or streaming projects, I guess, at this point, uh, that they're also preparing. Some of them are already in production. There's one actually being produced right now called Creature Commandos. James Gunn has written all episodes of this show. It is a seven-episode limited series. All of these, of course, are going to air on HBO Max. The Creature Commandos themselves were introduced in 1980. They had a limited run series in the year 2000. They have in the comic book's cross paths with Superman and Brainiac although the lineup is shifting a little bit in this version apparently Rick Flag's father and then the character Weasel from the Suicide Squad are members of the Creature Commandos and then looking at the picture it looks like uh, you're gonna have uh, Frankenstein slash Frankenstein's monster and the Bride of Frankenstein as members and there's a Gill person there there have been werewolves there have been vampires there have been Gorgons and robots and mummies this is really a very off-kilter group it's almost like the Monster Squad or like the classic universal monsters of the dc universe i think you can make a fun animated series the question is with this new directive and james gunn has said that you know again this ties directly into the dc universe how do you marry frankenstein's monster being in the same universe with superman and batman and can you have them make that jump from animation to live action if necessary because they said they want to cast actors who could play these characters in live action you're casting a very wide net with this dc universe i'll give them that for ambition they are doing a lot of different kinds of shows and also saying that all of these projects will all exist in the same universe, I think it's a difficult task. That's my biggest hesitation. It's a difficult task tonally to make all of these work. We're not getting a second season of Peacemaker. Apparently not yet, but we are getting an Amanda Waller show. Gunn said quote, we're using the same actors. This is a continuation of Peacemaker. I'm working on Superman, so we can't do Peacemaker season two. We're working on Waller in between. Crystal Henry will be writing and producing the show along with Jeremy Carver, who's a veteran supernatural writer who also created HBO Max's Doom Patrol, which is ending after its current fourth season. This is another big fan favorite. This was the question that people had. Is Peacemaker dead or will it Continue, and the answer is kind of in the middle. I love that they're keeping Viola Davis on board; she's a great Amanda Waller. But I said from the beginning that if James Gunn doesn't kind of throw Peacemaker out, and I know he said, well, anything can happen with any of these other actors, but this is the only thing of the old regime that's in active production is a story based on the franchise that James Gunn himself took over, so I'm excited for the show, but this was kind of the trap I was worried that James Gunn would fall into, where he's not really willing to throw out his own creations as readily as he's willing to throw out the other creations, and so this is a question mark for me, because I think, well, Honestly, there's a lot of people that have had their knives out for this from the very beginning, from the second that James Gunn and Peter Safford were announced, and I've seen it already on the internet. People are carving this thing to pieces. There's going to be a lot of people in 2025 when Superman rolls out, etc. They're going to be sitting in a theater with their arms folded like this because they just hate this slate already. They hate Gunn being in charge of it already. And that's nothing different than what we're already looking at here on the internet. Some people just kind of line up ideologically against something, and just that's where they're going to sit no matter what. But this is a case I think that doesn't help his standing with people who are against him or who are kind of undecided. The fact that you're going to say, oh, well, we're going to you know, keep going with the peacemaker stuff, but Henry Cavill is gone. Maybe that is engaging for him creatively, but politically, I'm not so sure. Green Lantern's been a missing piece from the DC Universe for a while, and we are finally getting confirmation of what the next Green Lantern project will be. It will not be a feature film. It will be an HBO Max show, but James Gunn said that, you know, they're not trying to cast aspersions by putting something on streaming instead of feature. They say if it's a two-hour story, it'll be a feature. If it's an eight-hour story, it'll be a streaming show. The streaming show that we're getting is Lanterns, which will feature a team-up of Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan. It's described as space cops watching over precinct Earth. James Gunn said that True Detective was the inspiration that some other Lanterns may also be showing up on the show. And Gunn also said, quote, this plays a really big role in leading into the main story that we are telling across film and TV. So this seems to be a mix of the very large cosmic world available for Green Lantern. And yet, as Gunn has said, it seems to be primarily Earth set with just these two Lanterns. So it doesn't really look like they want to embrace the full Green Lantern world in the way that, for example, Ryan Reynolds' movie did Back when it came out, it is really much about establishing these two specific lanterns and their relationship. And then, if you're using True Detective as your model, about the interaction between them and their difference in character and 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 how they have a you know different styles. We're talking about Hal Jordan, who's kind of the not the original Green Lantern continuity-wise, you know, chronologically, but the first Green Lantern that a lot of people know. And then John Stewart, who I think is probably the most famous modern. Green Lantern, the one that most people wanted to see on screen and have wanted to see for quite some time. I think this is going to come down to casting. If you get the casting right, if you cast a great Hal Jordan and a great Jon Stewart, then I think that you're you know, halfway there and then the rest is you know, probably 40% script and then the execution of it. Uh, but this is another thing where if this series doesn't work, then you're right back to the point where you are without a functional Green Lantern core and a functional Green Lantern that people like. So you're putting a lot on this. It does seem like the James Gunn and Peter Safran are aware of that, though. Probably the most curious choice for streaming that they revealed is a show called Paradise Lost which is set on the island of Themyscira before the birth Of Wonder Woman. So you don't really have that Gal Gadot question right now because you're going back to before she was born and According to uh, Gunn and Soffron, the questions being asked are what's the origin of an island of all women? What are the beautiful truths and the ugly truths behind all of that? And what's the scheming like between the different power players in that society? There's a comparison made to Game of Thrones. This is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Number one Because it's obvious that they want to keep the Wonder Woman mythology alive She is as James Gunn mentioned a diamond character But they don't have plans for Wonder Woman herself, apparently. They could always add to this first phase, but they did not roll out any plans for Wonder Woman herself here at the very beginning of this chapter. So I wonder how much they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And then for me, just as a fan, I think there's a lot of work here as far as selling to me what's going to make this show worth my time. Why do I need to see this? It's the same question that I had of Andor when Andor was premiering on Disney+. I didn't know what it was about that show that would be interesting to me, because what story, what kind of compelling story could you have about this character? And you know what? Andor was by far... My favorite Star Wars series on Disney Plus is one of my favorite TV shows that I watched last year. I thought it was an incredible show. And so I'm not saying this as if this is a show that's doomed to be bad. But I have questions about this show simply because I don't understand where it fits in. And so I think this is going to have to be kind of an education effort once it actually goes into production as far as convincing fans why you need to see a prequel to Wonder Woman and why it's important in this DC Universe mythology. The last show they revealed is probably what seems like to be the biggest potential for humor. It's a booster gold streaming series featuring the character of Mike Carter, who is a 25th century guy who takes technology and then uses a time machine to come back to our time and pretend to be like this great superhero. James is going to describe this as imposter syndrome if it were a superhero show. And, you know, if they go all out comedy here, then I think this could be really great. It could almost be one of those things that doesn't tie into anything else in the DC universe, because that's just a great. Premise. That's just a great concept. It doesn't rely on loving the super characters or knowing, you know, Krypton and the Batman's parents getting shot in an alley. This is something that you could divorce entirely from comic book mythology, and this is just a great situation comedy premise. A guy from the future goes to the past and pretends that he's great. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to who they cast as Booster Gold, and this is one of the things that I think could thrive completely independently of anything else just because of the potential of the concept. So this is what we have. So far in this first chapter of the new DC universe, and in general, I'd have to say looking at everything that I'm, I I would call myself whelmed by it. I'm certainly not overwhelmed by it. I didn't jump out of my chair, uh, you know, every two or three seconds when I was sitting there and kind of reading the rundown and looking at what they described. I think that there are several interesting possibilities. Uh, Lanterns is something especially that I'm looking forward to, to see what they can do and how they can execute on this idea. James Gunn has said that, you know, investment shouldn't be a problem, even though Warner Brothers seems to be like turning the lights off in rooms when people aren't in there to save money. But he said, like, if we can go to them and make a compelling case for the amount of money that we need, that he's confident that they're going to get that money. Again, that's a great wish and a dream to have. We'll see if it actually happens. The other thing being that the last year to year and a half have shown us that you can make all the Plans you want, if there's a change at the corporate level, if the structure changes, then all of this stuff could be out the window. So it's hard to sort of invest too much into this long term plan because there are a lot of things that don't have anything to do with James Gunn and Peter Safran that could happen to derail these plans. I'm glad that they have this philosophy of making sure that things are ready to go. I'm glad that they have this philosophy of making a coherent universe. My biggest concern is that they are doing so many different things, and there are obviously things like creature commandos that just speak to James Gunn's personal sensibility, can you divorce that enough from the things that you want to make to make sure that you're making the things that you need to make because if you go too obscure, if you hold back Wonder Woman too much, if you hold back Aquaman too much, uh, or or don't recast or do recast there's going to be a point at which you, you may just be entertaining yourself because you need that name recognition from people. Marvel did great with Guardians of the Galaxy and that really made James Gunn's career on this scale, but they weren't just making Guardians of the Galaxy they were putting it in between other movies and so superman and batman and green lantern and all those things i think they need to work and survive and thrive in order to support all of these other things i'm not crazy about a lot of them creature commandos and the authority we'll see Uh, but you can pull these things off successfully if you've got the right team and if you got the right tone and, and you make really a great movie or show that's what it comes down to but i think this is a risky slate it's one that i'm very kind of wait and see on even with batman and damian wayne i love batman i think it really comes down to casting and how you do this story so i'm not sitting there going like oh i can't wait to see this batman story this really is so much more than selling people on the concept you really have to come through with execution. And that's ideally what they hired James Gunn and Peter Safran to do, is to execute those things themselves or find the people to execute that vision. Uh, So I don't know how this fits into the major plan. I don't even know how this fits into this plan. But if they can pull it off, I think we've got a really fun, weird, freaky deaky DC universe, which could stand in stark contrast to what Marvel is doing, which they're in a period of transition as well. And maybe that was the thought of, you know, let's do things that Marvel isn't exactly doing and let's set ourselves up not just as the competition but potentially as the alternative as a different tone very possible we'll see what happens so that's what i think about this dc slate about a lot of these properties about the rollout and the existing characters and actors etc what did you think is there a particular project that you're in favor of is there a particular project that you can't wait to see let me know down in the comments below and thank you so much to my sponsor better help for sponsoring this video you can look down in the comments below to see more about that and of course come right back here for more movie news reviews box office awards all that stuff that's going on right now you can find it right here until next time Stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.